share with us this morning and communicate, I really feel like uh, is going to be pivotal for us. It's going to be pivotal. Um, I know for sure it's going to be pivotal for some specific people because the Lord's already talked to me in the week about that. Uh, but I do believe it'll be pivotal, pivotal, a little bit of pivotal for all of us. So uh, pray for me this morning as we share something because it's uh, it's a new thought for me in the sense of I had had haven't had it. Man, I can't talk this week. Haven't had it before uh, until this week. So just be praying for that. It's going to be very interactive. I've asked all the families to stay with their little people. So as we do, I'm going to ask all of our other. Uh, people who don't have kids to help those that do. Yes. Does that make sense? Because one of the big things, if you, if you come and you have a large family and you have kids in here, mamas especially can get very conscious about their little people being wiggly. So please hear from me. Little people are wiggly, right? Wiggly never bothered Jesus. Amen. So wiggly doesn't bother me and it shouldn't bother you. Okay, so uh, so do that. But if you're here and, and you're a grandparenty person, if you look over and you see a mama might be looking a little frustrated and she's not hearing well, just slide on over and offer to help. Right. Just slide on over and offer to do some stuff. And Mr. Charlie is here today, letting his presence be made known. And that is awesome. And that never bothers me either. Again, I can tell you. You know, when you, you never get interrupted preaching until you have a little boy come up and pee on the altar. And I had that happen when we were in Mexico. A little boy came right up to the front and just went to the restroom right over there on the altar. And uh, that'll mess up your preaching right there. That's a, that's a distraction. So we have never gone that far ever before. Uh, we are going to take communion this morning. But we're going to take communion in a way I've never done it before, but it's going to be key to what the Lord wants to communicate. So that's why it looks a little different up here. Uh, and you're going to come and serve yourselves as we've been doing. Remember, for the last number of weeks, we've been using the communion table as a representation of what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, that by grace, through faith, we have been saved. Right? But by grace, through faith, we have received everything. In the kingdom of God. By grace through faith we were forgiven. By grace through faith we were healed. By grace through faith we have received provision, prosperity for our homes. By grace through faith we live in the kingdom. Remember we talked about this for those that, that maybe haven't been with us uh, as, as we've been talking over this. Is you know when you were born from your mother. Like we'll pick on Charlie since he's here this morning. When he was inside his mother's womb, it was a different atmosphere, a different environment, right? But when he was born, right, the doctors do what they can to get the baby to do what? Cry. To cry or to breathe is really what they're trying to do. You know, they're trying to get the, the, the baby to get out of a water-based atmosphere into an air-based atmosphere and to get them used to doing something that they will do for the rest of their life, right? You remember the secret to life and longevity is inhale and exhale and don't quit no matter what, right? <laughs> as long as you just keep inhaling and exhaling, you'll make it, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, but you were born that way into the kingdom of this earth and you were born this way into the kingdom of God. 
By grace through faith, you were born into the realm of God. By grace through faith, you will breathe and live and move and occupy for the rest of your time in the kingdom of God. By grace through faith, we'll never stop. Do you understand that? By grace through faith, we'll live in eternity in heaven with him. Grace and faith won't end when Jesus returns. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It'll just be consummated and completed at one plane and continue on for eternity. But we will forever, Paul said, be looking at the manifold graces of God for time to come. We will spend the rest of eternity looking into the manifold expressions of the grace of God. Does that make sense? So here in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to come and take communion a little differently and a little longer. Okay. So, uh, and here's the reason why go back with me to Romans. We've been talking about this and Holy spirit, help me. You, uh, inspired this thought in me. Uh, so help me get it out like you want, please help me, uh, say it in the way that is needed for us to hear. Help me speak past the filters we have screwed into our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. Here we've been looking at Romans chapter four and I'll back up here in a little bit. So I'm going to kind of take a page from Audra. I'm going to tell you what I feel like you need to hear. And then I'm going to back up and we're going to try to unpack it a little bit, but I don't want time to get away from us. Right. But here it says in, in Romans chapter four, and we've been looking at verse 21 and this is talking about Abraham and when he received the righteousness of God by faith, it says, and being fully convinced that he that had promised was able to perform what he promised. So when Abraham, and we've been saying it for weeks, when Abraham was fully persuaded, and we've been talking about this process of persuasion and, and moving, and I love Tony asked a great question and it helped clarify some things with me that faith and being persuaded are synonymous. How do I know when I believe God? It's when I'm persuaded. Amen. And I have, and my heart is persuaded in who he is and what he said and what the promise is. And not just what the promise is, but that the one who promised is able to do what he said he promised to do. And here in this verse, it's unique. I looked at it this week. This word promised here is in the Greek language, a synonymous word. It means the thing that was promised and the one who made the promise, right? That they, it's synonymous, right? That the one who made the promise and the thing promised, you can count on them. So Abraham, when he was fully persuaded, right? Then he knew that God would do what he said he would do. And we'll back up here in a little bit and look. And, and he was not moved by anything else other than the one who promised and what he promised. That was what governed Abraham's life. Right? Guys, listen to me. We want to get to a place where our life is governed, right, by the promise giver and the promise made. If my life is governed by anything else than the promise giver and the promise made, I will live in unbelief. Uh, thank you for that rousing amen. Hallelujah. 
In our, in, our wor- in our world today, we've said it for some time, and I've seen it um, growing in the church world, that believers live from their soul, their mind, their will, their emotions, their intellect, their feelings, right? They're living from a soulish place and think it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. We, we know that. Just listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. Sail and I were, I'm, y'all like how I'm dressed today? Amen. Don't you like it when Selena dresses me? It looks a lot. I look a lot better, right? But, um, but you know, we were. I wore this to a wedding uh, yesterday, and and she got it out for me, and I said, "Well, that looked really good. I should probably just wear that again." So that's what I did. But uh, but Selena and I were going to a wedding yesterday, uh, and we were listening to the radio. And this really, really, have y'all heard a whiny Christian song? Right. And this whiny Christian song came on the radio. And Sailor will instantly go, oh, we don't like that song. And she hits the skip button and we move on down. <laughs> and, we're, and I like, if you travel with me on anything longer than a few minutes, I like to do what I call radio surfing, which is I hit the scan button. You know how some men are annoying on the remote control, uh-huh. right? And, and men can do that. We can watch everything and still watch nothing, right? You know, and I know that aggravates especially my wife. But I like doing that on the radio, right? You just hit scan and just let it go. And if you hear a song you like, you hit stop and you listen to that song and then you hit scan again and you just keep going and all this kind of stuff. So we're radio surfing. We hit three Christian radio stations, uh-huh. all three playing that same whining song. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm there going, holy moly, when will we live from the promise? Yes. Yeah. Come on. Yes. When will we live from the promise and not from our soul. Yes, that's so good. Because remember, faith is being fully persuaded in the one who promised and what he promised. That what he promised is true and that he is able to perform for you what he promised, irregardless of what it looks like, irregardless of the circumstances. Irregardless of what is going on in your body, in your finances, at your job, in your family, in the world, in the government, mm-hmm. in the nation, in the, I, I don't care. We have to get to the place where I don't care. Yeah. That's not the promise. I live from the promise, even to the point we're going to talk about this. What did, what did we call or what does the Bible call the land that God was leading Israel to? Now, they called it the promised land. Now, you realize that the promised land is not a land that talks about heaven. That's right. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. The, the, the types and shadows of the promised land is God wasn't giving us imagery of heaven to come. He was giving us imagery of the life lived in Christ on this earth. That's, right, yes. That's the promised land. Come on. That's right. Yes. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Right. So when we look at that, so the promised land is a type and a shadow for us of what our life today will look like. Because we've crossed over the waters of baptism, the Jordan, we've walked through under the grace of God who made a way for us, Mm -hmm. right? We live and abide with him in a place that he promised for us. Does that make sense? Remember that the place of promise is the place of life. 
Yes. Does that make sense? A place that is devoid of promise is a place of death. It's a place of desert. It's a place of, I love what Sophia said when she was encouraging us. Right? Can I just be, can I meddle just in a little bit of Christianity? Just a little bit. Can I get us real close to a sacred cow and let's make some barbecue? Can I do that this morning? You know, one of the sacred cows that we need to kill is a, is a thought and a reality that I can be spiritually dry. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go over here. Oh, some folks. It got real, real quiet. Right? Let, let, let me ask you a couple of questions. Right? So, you have a river of what flowing out of you? Life. Okay. Jesus said, you also have a what bubbling up from the inside of you? A wellspring, a fountain that shall never run dry. So, how in the world, if you're a never-ending fountain and an ever-flowing river, can you be dry? Yeah, well, and, 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 and baby, what you did, and, and I'll have to look and see, and Holy Spirit, I'm just going to go with him. But one of the verses we may look at now or in the days to come, it talks about, well, actually it's here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you back up in Romans 4, and it says in verse 20, talking about Abraham, and it said, Abraham did not waver at the promise. That phrase, did not waver, is a word, and I'm just going to read it from, from your Bible. So I'm using Sophia's Bible today. Because she's so gracious while mine comes via Amazon in the mail. Uh, Acts chapter 11. You want to hear what this did not waver means? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. I'm going to say it to the one person who wants to hear. hear Amen. (laughs) All right. This is what it means. The word did not waver can be called doubting. But this is the definition from the Greek language of doubt and do not waver. It means to judge thoroughly. To decide between two or more choices. To make a distinction. To separate two component elements or factors. And to render a decision about their evaluation carefully. Mm. So now let's take that definition. So Abraham did not make a choice based on his circumstances. He made a choice based on the promise. Because presented to him in his life was the reality of his impotence and the reality of the promise and the promise maker. And it was given to him. Doesn't this sound like the Old Testament again? This day I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And just in case you wonder, please choose life. Would you have teachers like that in school? Hey, it's a multiple choice question. The answer is A. Yes. (laughs) Right, that's how good God is. Hey, I'm going to give you a multiple choice question here. Answer is A. Mm -hmm. Go with life. Mm -hmm. But doubt is when you make a choice between your circumstance and the promise. And you say, I will go with the circumstance. Does that make sense? Again, back to our analogy. I have a choice to make. In this, I can, can I choose to be spiritually dry? Sure. God said you can shut off the flow if you want to. And I can choose to wander in the desert. 
Or I can choose to say, no, the promise giver said, there's a river in me, there's a well in me, he never runs dry, he's ever present, he's ever able, he's always here, I'm just going to stay in the river. <laughs> right? Amen. Come on now. All right. Now we even got to the stuff God wants to say yet, right? But we talked about this with the promised land being our analogy. So let's do this. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do, then I'm going to come back and share the next thought. So this is how we're going to take communion today. So up here is bread and wine. Well, juice. I would have done real wine, but I, I, to be honest, I didn't know where everybody was going to be, and I know we had kids present, right? So, and it's Sunday morning. People might not have done well with that, but it's juice. So what I want you to do is I want you to come and serve yourself a piece of bread. But I want it to be, now we have to look around at our numbers, I want it to be big. Right. Don't pinch some little piece off that you can chew in one mouthful. Right. I want you to get some, some bread right, in your hand. Now, bread always goes better with butter. I couldn't come up with a sufficient spiritual analogy for the butter. It's just bread's better with butter. Right? I mean, and so, so there's butter up there. If you want to put butter on your bread, you're welcome to. Because I know cause it's at the anointing. Yes, you're going to rub the anointing on the bread. But I... The reason why I wanted butter up there because butter does help bread go down, right? It's like bread lubricant to get it down and stuff. And so I want you to get a big piece of bread. We're going to treat this like communion. And I want you to get a whole cup of juice. No little bitty bit of juice. I want you to have a whole cup of juice. Does that, huh? Maybe kids, halfy, so we can do some spillage maybe. But, but I'm not concerned about the floor. I appreciate. Let's be careful. But it's floor. Okay. But I want you to have a drink, right? Does this make sense? Can, can we do that? And like communion, when you serve yourself, go back. I know it's going to be hard. I'll give you one nibble before we pray, okay? You'll get one nibble. But hold on to your bread. Don't eat it quite yet, okay. right? If, if you've got a nibble or two in there, there's grace for that, right? There's, but don't eat my illustration before I get to the main point of, of the morning, okay? So come and watch you serve yourself this morning. And we'll do that, and then we'll keep going. Okay, gotcha. Does anybody want or need more? Is that good? All right. So what I'm going to do is let me go ahead and do this. I'm going to do our communion prayer as we now have all been served. You can begin to eat, but I want you to listen, okay? Um, Because I think there's a... The Lord's going to say something again, I know specifically to some people, because he's already told me, but I do believe for all of us, he will say something to you this morning. So, so have your ears attuned, not just to what I'm going to be saying, but have your ears attuned to the voice of the Spirit. Because today, you need to get ready to eat your giant. Some of you here, you've been running from your giant but today is the day you make a choice to eat your giant right father we love you so much we're so grateful and so thankful for what we hold in our hand and what it represents 
Lord, I thank you that you said that healing is the children's bread. And Father, you consumed the giant of sickness. You devoured him. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you consumed the giant of sin. And you devoured him. Lord, I thank you that you consumed the giant of insignificance. And you devoured him. Purposelessness. And you devoured him. So today as we take time to eat and drink and really truly feast today. Lord, I thank you hmm, that you teach us today how to turn our giants into our bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And all throughout the morning you can eat. Amen. Feel free to eat. There's more up here. I ask you, if you're not satisfied, grace and faith takes more. Amen. I want this to be an active part of how do we persuade our hearts? We've been asking that question. How did God persuade Abraham's heart? He gave him tangible vision that was huge. You remember that story? God came to Abraham and he said, Abraham, look at the stars. I thought he says, if you can count them, your children will outnumber them. He said, look at the sand. If you can count them, your children will outnumber them. And that was the beginning of the promise. Guys, listen, the process of persuasion begins. Well, will I let God blow my mind? Will I let him expand my imagination? Will I, will I dare let him give me a vision that I will never see completed in my life. But I'll see it every day in the stars. I'll feel it every day under my feet. I'll walk in it every day and hear the voice of the promise maker say, this is how big I am to you. This is how big I think for you. This is how big I desire you to live. So if your piece of bread this morning isn't big enough because you were being all polite and kind, then just come get some more bread. And I'm saying that for real, I want this to be a beginning stage, right? Jesus said those that hunger and thirst for the vision of righteousness, they are filled. God, I'm hungry for more. I'm hungry for more righteousness. As you understand that hunger is built in us, we build the hunger or we starve the hunger. I'm amazed at the day we live in that so many of our young people haven't been taught to be hungry. They haven't been taught to dream. They're riddled in fear and nervousness and concern and worry at a time when there should be nothing but bigness going on on the inside of them. And to be honest, I look at it and, I, and in my times at night I cry. I say, God, how? 
How do I build hunger in people? And I can't. Because I can't be hungry for you. As, as much as I want to be. As much as I would long and desire to pull all of my heart out and put it inside of each and every one of you. I can't make you hungry. Only you can. Amen. And that's a, I mean, I'll just be real raw. That's tough for me because I feel like I'm supposed to somehow be able to ignite something inside people. And I'm wrestling with I can't. I can only be hungry for me. Amen. My best hope is, I believe it was William Carey once said, the best hope I have is to set myself on fire and hope you'll come watch me burn. (laughs) But I can't set you on fire. Only you can. Amen. Amen. My hope is to sit there and to say today is to say, okay, so what can I do? Is to inspire you from this day forward to not just become a giant killer, but be a giant hunter. There's a difference between the two. Does that make sense? Years ago, and I was reminded of this this week, and I, and I heard the thought I'm, I'm sharing and endeavoring to share with you. And, and uh, I shared a message once 15 years ago, and it came flooding back in, into my mind about guys never run from a good fight. <laughs> Amen. You know, Paul said it's the good fight of faith. We don't run from fights we actually pick them I I know that's not popular in our culture it's not popular to be considered a warmonger but in the kingdom of God Jesus said this he says the righteous are the violent ones and the violent ones take it by force You're, you're, you're not just a giant killer. You're a giant hunter. You, you, you run towards a good fight and if needed, you'll pick one. Hello. Cause too much. Is that right, sir? You right. I see it in you, buddy. Amen. But it says here, Joshua and Caleb, and y'all know, again, we're talking about this parallel of the promised land, right? That the promised land is a type and a shadow of the life we live today. The life of faith from grace and faith by Jesus Christ. Amen. If you haven't watched The Chosen, and if y'all know me, truly, if y'all get to know me more, 
I am not a huge fan. And Sophia, don't hate me, baby, for what I'm about to say, okay? Because I think you're going to do some great stuff in the industry of filmmaking. So please don't let your daddy's words dissuade you in any way. We need more of this. But I, I am not a huge fan of Christian TV anything. Because <laughs> for so long, it's been all done so cheesy, right? And, 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 and just, it, it's kind of like listening to teaching on the radio. It makes me mad more times than it blesses me, you know what I mean? Because I end up yelling at the, at the radio or the TV. I mean, when Mel Gibson made The Passion, you know, I still haven't seen that whole movie all the way through yet. Because <laughs> there's pieces of it I like, and pieces of it I just go, ah, you know, turn it off before I sin. <laughs> just, just being honest, right? I mean, just being real. But this Chosen thing, Tony turned me on to The Chosen. I have to say I'm really loving The Chosen. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I really encourage you to watch The Chosen stuff. It's really, really well done on one side. But what I love in that and came to my mind just now was the Jesus character in there in the last few episodes we were watching, how they're looking at him. And they're basically saying, oh, this is Brad's paraphrase. It wasn't said this way on the show, but they're basically, the disciples are saying, hey, listen, just calm down. You know, can you just, you're just stirring everybody up. Right? We, we want this to be a successful ministry. Right? Can't you just be... And, and he's basically saying, I'm kind of here to pick a fight. Yes. Remember that's what Jesus said? Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Jesus said, I, I came to pick a fight. Mm-hmm. A fight against small thinking. Yeah. A fight against religious tradition. A fight against bondage of the devil. I'm, I'm here to pick a fight. Right? So this parallel we see in the promised land again gives us this picture. Y'all all know the story. I'm just going to read one passage. But you know how it goes, right? God delivers Israel from Egypt. They go through all these great things. And, and if you'll read that story on your own, the... The whole journey in the wilderness was Israel's process of persuasion. We've been talking about the process of persuasion. Israel was liberated from sin. Egypt was always a type of sin. They were born again through the Red Sea crossing and the waters of baptism. They had a miraculous spiritual birth as a nation when they crossed through the other side of the Red Sea. And then God could have taken them on a direct route straight into the promised land. But God takes them on a hard right and begins to do a journey of persuasion through them. So go read this week the story of their journey and in and all we're going to set up. Because it's going to give you some more keys to what it looks like to persuade your heart. Because what God was doing is he was leading them through a process of persuasion, showing them who he was as the promise maker and that he will keep his promise. And he was getting out of them the things that would hinder them from taking the promised land. Like he had to get the bitterness from the water of their heart out. What keeps you from being persuaded is if you allow bitterness to get in your well. Does that make sense? Right? And you remember the analogy, and it's a type again of the cross, 
where they came to the waters of Marah and they drank and the waters were bitter. And Moses goes to God and says, here's this water. What do we do? Because the people, again, they grumbled, right? Hey guys, listen to me. If you want to persuade your heart quickly, you can't grumble anymore. You can't complain anymore. You can't whine about what's going on in the world around you. You can't whine about where you find yourself. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 of that day, he said, because they complained, Paul said in in 1 Corinthians 10 around the 10th verse, he said, because they complained, they opened the door to the destroyer. Did you know that it's, that's the only verse I know of that tells you, you know, you hear people in good old preachers say, well, they opened a door to the devil. You ever heard the only verse I can find in the Bible that actually references how do you open a door to the devil is that one verse where he says, Hey, listen, if you complain, that's the door that the devil's looking for. Does that make sense? If, if we're whining, if we're grumbling, if we're complaining, right, that is how we turn the knob and open the door and give the devil access. Amen. So you can close the door by being thankful, being grateful, being praiseworthy, being praising, being appreciative. Amen. I love, I was at full moon this last week helping Tony. And thank you for asking me to do that, by the way. I miss being there. But I loved on top of the little cooler there. I still love the little sign, whoever got it, that said, please and thank you are still magical words. (laughs) Do you know why please and thank you are magical words? Because they closed the door to the devil. Yes. And nobody uses them them much anymore. Does that make sense? But they had to get bitterness out of their heart. They had to come to a place where they would stop complaining. Right? They had to come to a place where they would be satisfied alone in what God would provide. That was the manna from heaven, right? 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 God literally gave them angels' bread, angels' food, straight from heaven. And they wanted something of the earth. They would want something that was not from Him. Because they did not allow their heart to be satisfied in what He would provide. See, the process of the journey of persuasion is we have to allow, say, Lord, as you lead me, I will be satisfied with how you feed me. Yes. Amen. I will be satisfied with the bread that you give. Amen. I will be thankful and grateful for it. And I will go against the desires of the lust of the flesh. Does that make sense? Amen. But I haven't even got to the good part yet. So they journey on through, right? And they're journeying on and they come finally and God leads them to the promised land, right? And you remember that story? They come to the promised land and they send out the 12 spies. You remember that? To scout out the land. Hey guys, can, can I just be real bold to say this? Wasn't their wisest move. <laughs> and sometimes, and, and what I'm about to say, and, and it'll, it'll come here is, Did they need to spy out the land? Was there any reason to spy out the land? They had a promise. God said, I will take you there 
and I will give you this place. So Israel shows up and in an act of wisdom, air quotes, being wise, hey, we should send a reconnaissance team in, scope this place out. Guys, listen to me. Fear many times disguises itself as wisdom. Fear many times disguises itself as wisdom. It would be wise if we did this. It would be wise if we did that. It would be wise. You have to be. Now, please hear me. I know we are to seek wisdom. I know wisdom is the principal thing. I'm not talking about being a dummy. But what I'm talking about is, is but when you know the promise and you've heard the voice of the Lord, that is wisdom enough. That is instruction enough. And we have to be careful that in the name of wisdom, right, we don't are actually give in to fear. Because y'all remember the story, the 12 spies went in and 10 spies, we say, had a negative report. Can I ask you a few questions? Was their report untrue? No. No, what the 10 spies said was true. So they weren't lying. It was a land full of giants. Right? It was. The wall cities were strong. Right? They really truly gave the report was honest. But listen to me. It was just devoid of promise. Never believe a report even if it's true, that's not connected to promise. Only the report that is connected to promise is to be believed. Amen. Does, Does that make sense? Because you're persuaded in the one who promised. And people may tell you truth and they may be telling you truth and trying to give you wisdom But what you're listening for is promise. How is what you're telling me connected to promise? Amen. Does that make sense? So here it says, I'll pick up the story. Numbers chapter 14. They've given the word. So it says, let's back up at verse 1 and I'll read down. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation of Israel lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Right? Be careful of the if-onlys of life. Right? We know, well, if only this had happened. If only that would have happened. If only what if only it had been better. If only I had enough money. If only I had enough education. If only I had and we can go all down our own list of if onlys, right? Don't let the if onlys talk you out of the promise. Amen. Why has the Lord brought us to this land? There's your next one. Be careful your why questions. Now, please, I think God can handle some why questions. But you want to be careful with why, God? Mm -hmm. Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why did you bring me here? 
Why the what? Remember, why and whine are real close sounding together. <laughs> Make sure that your why is not just you whining. Right? Why, Lord, have you brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Remember, the devil will try to always get you to go back to where you used to be. He'll always is going to try to talk you into returning to where you came from. Now, guys, listen to me. And Egypt was a type of sin. I understand that. But Egypt for the Israelites, I mean, there was slavery. But it wasn't horrible. Hello? They, they ate every day. They had places to stay. I mean, you read their stuff. If only we'd have come back to the meat pots of Egypt. We had leeks and garlic in Egypt. Here we ain't got any spices. So when you hear the Israelites complain about where they came from, where they came from sounded real comfortable. See, the devil will try to bring you back. And guys, listen to me. I told you this year would be challenging for us. Right? Don't be deceived by the God of comfort. In our culture around us, we are told that the goal is to live a good, comfortable life. Yeah. Remember, Israel led a good, comfortable life in slavery. Yeah. You weren't made for good and comfortable. Amen. You were made for war. Huh? It might be fun. Miss Eloise, I love you. I knew you would like this message. This message is all for Miss Eloise. Absolutely. Hey, guys, I want you to be that way. I want us to have that attitude. Man, I got to get there, but there's so much. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Guys, listen to me. There's one of my favorite Old Testament stories. It ends horribly, so I won't tell you the terrible end. But uh, I love the front end of the story is there was a man by the name of Jephthah or something like that. I'm just going to call him Jed because it sounds like he's from Alabama, right? So, so Jeff or Jed, I can call him Jed because he sounds more country if he's Jed. Right? But, uh, but there's the story in the Old Testament of Jed, right? And Jed was an illegitimate son in his household. His legitimate brothers hated him and they ran him out of town. And it says that Jed went to the land of Tob, T-O-B, if I'm remembering right. And it says, and there he gathered around himself a horde of barbarians. And Jed became the king of this barbarian horde. And they were known throughout the countryside for their ferocity, their courage, their valor, and their ability to strike fear in the hearts of people. Like an out, he, Jed became like the leader of an outlaw biker gang. It's kind of like what Jed did. <laughs> Right, But it says that the Amalekites, if I remember right, the Amalekites began to come into Israel and they began to raid Gilead where he was from. And the people feared for the enemy of the Lord that was destroying their lives. So who did they go get? They went and got Jed. And Jed said, oh, now you need me. And he says, first you kick me out. Now you need me. 
He said, fine, I'll fight for you and I'll kick their tails, but you got to make me king. And they said, okay, we'll do whatever you said. So Jed and his horde of barbarians roll up, wipe out the Amalekites and Jed becomes king. Because listen to me, you're Jed. It's time for us to develop a barbarian heart in the day in which we live. A heart that stands up and says, I hunt giants. Does that make sense? Right? I'm a giant hunter, not just a giant killer. Right? Remember David, right? Right? Remember, Goliath was not David's giant. Whose giant was Goliath? Saul's giant. But Saul was unwilling and unable to kill his giant. So God needed a David who would be willing to kill somebody else's giant. Guys, all around us today, all around us in our culture, people are running from their giants. They're hiding from the Goliaths that war against their covenant. Who threaten and call out blasphemies against who their God is. And God is looking and hungry for a horde of barbarians like David. Who will roll up in an act of service. David was just doing Grubhub, right? He was just, <laughs> he was just delivering some DoorDash to his brothers. And he rolls up on a giant scene. And says, I'll, I'll kill him for you. I'll take care of that for you. Guys, he wasn't afraid. God, but that's you, buddy. That's you. As the church, we need to roll up into people's battlefield and say, I'll kill him for you. I'll kill, I'm, I'm hunting down giants. Amen. But it says here, it says, and I got to keep reading. And it says in verse four, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the, all of the assembly of the children of Israel. And I love this. Verse six. Everybody say, but Joshua. Joshua. And Caleb. And Caleb. I love that. Can you put your name in there? Mm. Amen. But Sam and Jennifer. Right. But Lee and Mary. But Tony and Penny, but Kurt and Alicia. Amen. Guys, let's do it. The world is hungry for somebody to butt in. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear this was what was going on? People went to bed that night. Everybody was crying and a wailing. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? They get up the next morning. They're still crying and a wailing. Going over their if onlys and their whiny why gods. Right, And then they stand up and go, we're going to elect us a leader and we're going to go back to where we came from. We're going to go back to slavery. Going to go back to sin. Going to go back to sickness. Going to go back to just barely getting along. Going to go back to just meaningless nine to five with no purpose for the kingdom of God. Guys, that's our Egypt today. <laughs> Amen. But, put your name in there. But Brad and Selena. Amen. Amen. But you. 
I love that. It says, but Joshua and Caleb were among those that had spied off the land. And I love this. And they tore their clothes. They just got, guys, there needs to come a time where we just get ticked at unbelief. Yeah. We just get ticked at apathetic living. We just get ticked at hearing what's going on around us. And guys, if I could encourage us that we just get so mad, you just want to tear your clothes. Mm-hmm. Throw your ball cap on the ground. Mm-hmm. Amen. Kick the neighbor's cat. And you're a cat and any other cat that runs. I mean, just get just right upset. Amen. And say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. We ain't doing this no more. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I love this. It says, and they spoke to the whole congregation of Israel and they said, the land that we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us. And I love that you know, back then they had to say if. You don't ever have to say if ever again. You don't have to say if the Lord delights in me because he already delights in you. That's the promise of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to say it like that. The Lord delights in us. And he will bring us into this land. And he will give us this land that flows with milk and honey. And then in verse 9 he says, Only don't rebel against the Lord through fear. Amen. Nor fear the people of this land. And I love this. I want you to underline it. Circle it. I want you to write it on something this week. And I want you to meditate on this verse. Because they say, Because they are our bread hallelujah they are our dinner they're our meal amen hallelujah their protection has departed from them and the lord is with us do not fear them and man i wish the people of god in that day would have said i that sounds good if you keep reading it says and all the congregation said they wanted to stone them with stones Guys, listen, you need to get ready. As we take on this attitude, there'll be a whole lot of the congregation of the people of God who are not going to like it when you want to step up and be, be a barbarian. <laughs> they're going to be like the congregation of Israel, and they're going to be looking for rocks to chunk at you. They're going to start bashing you on Facebook. They're going to start making negative posts and comments. You might get blocked on Facebook. You might get banned on some stuff. You might be, but listen to me. But the things of the promise, the enemies of the promise, they're your food. Sickness is your bread. You eat it up. Poverty is your bread. Not that you take it, you hear the analogy. You te- we talk about that here in the South, don't we? Somebody makes a good meal, and what do we say? I'm going to tear that up. Mm-hmm. Y'all ever said that before? Yeah. Right? Somebody makes something good, your mama, your grandmama says something, and you look at it, man, I'm going to tear that up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat on that. That's the attitude I want us to have. We run into sickness, oh, I'm going to tear that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. We, we run into poverty and need, I'm going to tear that up. We run into people who... Who are wandering, who are aimless, I'm going to tear that up. Amen. Come on, are you with me? How many of you still want some more bread? Come get some bread. If you're not enough. No, for real. Remember, I, I thought about this. You know, 
we live too much. You want some more juice, man? Come get whatever you can find up here. But listen, y'all, y'all will know this from our, our culture. Repeat this phrase, fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Remember that, Jack and the Beanstalk? Right, and what did, what did the giant say to Jack? I'll take your bones to make my bread. I'll grind your bones and bake my bread is what the giant, you know, the giants of the kingdom of God try to treat us like Jack in the beanstalk. But guys, listen, but Jesus on the cross showed us, no, this is what we do to giants. And it came to me so much. Jesus took the bones of sin and he ground them and he made bread for us to eat. He took the bones of sickness. He defeated it in his body and he ground it up and he said, healing is my children's bread. He took poverty He never knew poverty in his physical life. The only day Jesus knew poverty is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. On that day, it said he became destitute. Hung with nothing naked between heaven and earth. And he became the ultimate example of poverty so that we might know richness in this life. See guys, poverty, you grind the bones of poverty and you turn them into bread. Do you see this? Yes. I don't know. I don't know if I'm saying it strong enough for you to get it. But it's the attitude, I believe, that the Lord would inspire us to cultivate and to develop. Amen. And to stand back and to say, all right, God, here we go. Amen. Because I used to just, and, and not that, it, I mean, I used to teach that way that, David was just living his simple life and he was and he just bumped into Goliath and that's is David didn't know he was going to kill a giant. Amen. He just showed up that day and took out a giant. Amen. But then it's very telling that he then starts a fad Mm -hmm. because you read the story and from that day forward, anybody connected to David, there were five other giants killed by people who followed David. You don't understand, but that when you take on the attitude that I will kill the giants of my life and I will become a giant hunter, you give people permission to kill their giants. Right? And you'll pick up swords, right? And you'll go after them. And we win all the time. But I just want to stir up inside of us as a church family. I want there to be a gur in us. I want there to be a hunger in us. To no longer just live like everybody else lives. To no longer live small in just day to day. And I'm just going to go do the thing that I always do. Please hear me. All, I know all of y'all to some degree, and I'm not saying that anything you're doing is wrong or evil or wicked, because it's not. And, and from that place, again, 
David was just doing what he needed to be doing and he killed a giant. But I want there to be in you to look up and I want us to look around at our life and go, if I need to edit something, I'm going to edit it. If there is something that is keeping me from going after the things of God, then I want to kill. That's the giant. Does that make sense? And I want us to be radical enough to look at that. And I'm talking to me too to say, okay, God, you're so close. You're so close to being here. You're so close to coming. Right? Amen. So, Father, we love you so much. And just this morning, right where you are, and I, I'm just going to stop there. And I'm going to trust and believe that God has been speaking to each of you guys as he would want to speak to you. And just, we're going to take some time. And I just want you to just settle in and to say, all right, Lord, I'm ready. Yeah. Amen. I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready.